Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a heads up. Today is going to be very redundant. Um, I've got a lot of things I've been looking at and and just frankly, I've not had the the I'm not I'm not making the time to purposely record um, elaborate things. Um, there's a lot of things as I shared just a couple days back that are kind of on the table that I've been studying and looking into. And it's just one of those seasons where I feel like everything I read that it's just jumping off the page and being very real. Not just applicable, but I mean like, <laughs> here's a funny thought. God actually speaking through his eternal scriptures. What a what a revelation. But I did want to bring up something that stuck out to me the other day that was really not along the exact same lines. I've been doing a lot of studies about water in the scriptures and as I shared the last podcast that um I'm fast approaching baptism. It's actually on my mental calendar. <laughs> and that's a big deal for me. A big that it's a big deal is really an incredible understatement. It is probably going to be one of the biggest events of my life. <laughs> Not in hype or in excitement or in event, but just by what it is, like spiritually speaking, that in faith, what's on the other side for me? And I'm not going to go into all of that right now, but what I've just been literally praying in great measure and then just sitting down with my Bible and asking God to really speak to me every last word in regards to baptism and, and all that He desires it to be for me. I just want to glean it all. I want to deny myself and pursue every last morsel of spiritual food within this act of baptism that is now mere days away for me and my wife. I would honestly say that I don't really even understand all that it will be. Now, I've got a lot of understanding towards it. I do. This has been a years-long process and waiting. But one thing that stood out to me in the study of, of baptism, Old Testament immersion, the mikvah pools, 
And I just started kind of bouncing around in some fringe scriptures about water. And in one at one occasion, I think it was yesterday morning, I just went out, I took my Bible and a backpack, and I just hiked out for a while, and I just sat. And I just quieted myself. Which I was reminded I must do more. Not just studying at my kitchen table, not just sneaking out to the barn, but like a measurable set-apart time of quieting myself before the Lord to hear Him. Not that I don't hear Him right now when I'm driving down the road. You know, we're not boxing God into, well, He's closer if I do this. But yet giving myself, it's just like gatherings. Why do we gather with other believers? Not so we can find God's presence. There is a there is a substance to set apart times, gatherings. Set apart times of quieting ourselves before the Lord, as we saw in the pattern of Jesus of how he would go out and he would retreat to commune with the Father. And if Jesus, Emmanuel, literally God himself, clothed in flesh, needed to do that, how foolish to think that we, well, now we just have Jesus all the time, right? I don't need to go do anything. The Holy Spirit's with me. We need to be real careful with with that approach. But one thing that struck me yesterday morning in, in my reading was I was in John for a while and in John chapter 4 we see the the story we've all heard for our lives another one yet still about the woman at the well and just some things really stuck out to me as she was there with her pitcher to draw out water and I don't have time this morning to go into that immersing ourselves into the circumstance of what she must have been thinking as this man Jesus took the time to talk to her. I would like to do that. I just don't have that time available today. And I can't sit and read the scriptures. I've, that's the only thing I wish that I could do on these recordings more than I can. I, I would like to just sit and extract scriptures but this is what it is. I can't do that in, in all of these circumstances. But obviously we know the exchange with the woman. And Jesus, of course, as he always did, got right to the heart of the matter of, of what was really going on. He examined her life. He peered into her and knew her literal details of life as he referenced her husbands, the men in her life. He exposed her. He revealed his supernatural ability to see into a man. And so Jesus goes on to tell her 
of this living water. And as Jesus always encountered, we can assume she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I've been looking a lot at, at the account of the exchange with Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus talking about being born again. And Nicodemus saying, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Jesus being born again? Can a man enter his mother's womb and like start over? What do you mean? And even in that, I've done a lot of, and I don't want to get sidetracked. I'm going to jump out here with one leg and come right back in. One thing that really stood out to me that I think is just worth mentioning is something thought-provoking. Is one old, well, it's, it's old commentary that was examining things from, the, from that present-day perspective of what he was probably saying because of course we've heard sermons and you know our own just elementary understanding says well why would Nicodemus think that Jesus was insinuating somehow getting back into the womb of his mother you know he, he wasn't saying something foolish Nicodemus but one commentary that I read that really struck me is like, huh, I hadn't really thought about it like that. Is like Nicodemus was probably telling Jesus of like who he was as a man, his heritage. Like, I'm already this man. I, I'm already who I am as far as my lineage goes. Like, I'm already okay. I'm already enough. His heritage, his lineage, his, his status? What, in other words, what more do I need to do, Jesus? I can't, I can't go and start over. This is who I am, and am I not sufficient? Greatly paraphrased. But, of course, Jesus was talking about a spiritual rebirth, as we know, being born of the water, being born of the Spirit. Regenerated, born again. And so this woman is hears about this, he, she hears from this teacher, this stranger of this living water. And she obviously was aware, as we see in the, in, the, in the text, that she was aware of the coming Messiah. She was aware of the Redeemer that would be sent to men. And Jesus tells her, He was that man. I am He. I'm that guy. <laughs> And I'd like, I, I like to imagine what was going through her mind as she started making that connection. I mean, y'all, imagine that. This woman is just going to get water from a well of mundane, normal, boring task of a day like she had done countless times, I'm sure. Monotonous event. And there's some stranger there who engages her 
and informs her that he knows every detail about her life to the letter and that he, in fact, is the prophesied Messiah. Can we just think about that and how our lives parallel that today? When we are in our mundane events of our life, we're just going about our business, maybe even aware of the Messiah. But what happens when we encounter him? What happens when when he peers into us and exposes his ability, our, like he, he reveals his ability to see in us. Oh yeah, Joel, I know you. And I know this, to the greatest, most delicate issues of my life. Oh, oh yeah, I know, I know that, that you're informing me of. I don't have a husband. And I know much, much more. I know what preceded all of that. And I know your current circumstance too. Oh, and by the way, I have something that is living water. You're here for a natural need. But you've encountered the Messiah today. And I'm revealing that, you know, this really isn't about your natural need, friend. If you will look to me and realize and acknowledge I am, in fact, the Messiah, your hope, then I can offer you something that is living water, that cannot be retrieved out of a natural well with a bucket. And what really stood out to me for the first time in reading this story, it stood out to me as very different. I hadn't really seen through this lens necessarily. Was the, let's just extract one little quote from the verse. Again, in John chapter 4, starting in 28, I think. She left her water pot and went back to the city. Now you can say I'm, I'm like looking too deep into this or making it more than I should and all that. That's fine and dandy. But man, I read that and I just stopped yesterday morning sitting on that big, red, big rock next to a dry creek bed. That just struck me. Her original reason and purpose and task for that day was completely abandoned, forgotten, deemed irrelevant. Her natural need for water, she couldn't turn on a faucet back then, y'all. Do we realize that, right? (laughs) She needed to go get water for life. (laughs) But when she was informed by the Messiah and recognized him as such of this living water 
the natural water that she needed became completely unnecessary. And here we are again, and this is why I preface this with redundant. The exchange, y'all. The exchange. The pattern of God in entering His kingdom is exchange. And the correction of the Lord, and I'll just be bold to say it, is the correction of the Lord needs to go out into His body, His church, about adding Him to our circumstances. Adding Him to our going to get water. Okay, Jesus, that's great. Thanks for telling me about the living water. I've got some I've got some dishes to wash back at my house. Thanks for telling me about the living water, but my children are thirsty. I got to go. It's it's to me, to me. It's another layer, another biblical doctrinal example teaching of Jesus that we have been given to demonstrate the follow me reality. To me, it is the same as the discipleship call to cast down your nets. But the cool thing about this specifically is we're not told that Jesus said, put down your water pot and go. We're not told that he instructed her to put down the pot and run to the city and tell everyone of what she had encountered with him at the well. The John account, simply informationally speaking, tells us she left her water pot and went back into the city to proclaim to others this Messiah. The exchange. This woman is another example of a woman who got it. She understood This is the Messiah. I have to believe that like she was probably running back to the city and then who knows when at some point later she realized I didn't even get my water. (laughs) Where's my water pot? Oh yeah, in the moment of meeting the Messiah and receiving the word about the living water, my natural need became irrelevant. The exchange was made because she went with an empty water pot to draw natural water from a natural well. And can we not say she left with something eternal? She left with living water. And when she did, there was no thought of her natural need. There was no thought of her natural need. That's awesome to me. And then she went back to the city to proclaim the Messiah. That he looked at me and he knew me. He knew things about me nobody knows. And he told me about this living water. 
Jesus goes on to say, he's talking about eating. His food is to do the Father's will. Y'all, do we understand these things? Do we understand the exchanged life? Jesus, the Messiah, does not desire for you to add him to your life. Again, here's redundancy times a thousand. He doesn't want you to give him an invitation into your heart. He doesn't want you just to add him into your plans and circumstances. It's not enough. And you know why it's not enough? Because he's deserving of the exchange. He literally exchanged his natural body. For 30 years, y'all, not just on the cross, he surrendered his will. It's that message from a month ago, the yoke exchange. The yoke exchange. You can't carry that, friend. You can't add me to your life and carry that yoke. Uh-uh. You got you to gotta take it off. You got to exchange your yoke for my yoke. I believe this is another biblical example of that principle. Could we not say, is it a spiritual stretch to say, metaphorically speaking, she could not leave with her water and the living water? Again, it was deemed invaluable compared to the living water that the Messiah offered her. So the question is, friend, do you live that way? I don't mean do you believe that. I don't mean is your doctrinal position the exchange lifestyle. I'm saying in the mundane things of your life, in your version of gathering water for the day. Are you seeing the Messiah? And are you willingly laying down your natural vessel that holds and contains your natural need? Are you leaving that at the place of encountering the Messiah? Not leaving it because like it's a demand and you have to, but because you are so infatuated with the living water word coming out of the mouth of the Messiah that you don't even remember why you're there. The exchange reality. Oh God, how we have to get this. The church needs to hear this, y'all. The Spirit is saying something. The Spirit is pouring out living water for anyone who will lay down their water pot and receive it. But you can't carry both. You can't. 
You can't carry both, friend. It's one or the other. It's the natural or it's the spiritual. It's the natural or it's the living. The abundant living water that never runs dry. Get alone today. Get alone this weekend. Take your wife. Take your children. Man, if you're in the culture of this world and you're watching movies and playing video games and eating every dinner out and busy, 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 busy football games, concerts, I'm just going to say it. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Don't believe the lie that you can carry the pot of life that's overflowing and demanding of your every moment of your day and sprinkle a little bit of Messiah on it before you go to bed. That is not what we are taught in the scriptures. It's not. Our children won't make it, friends. Our children will not make it sprinkling some Messiah on their natural vessel. They will not endure to the end. We need immersed. We need immersed. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to quit because this is going to, I'm going to talk until my battery runs out. Immersion. Immersion. The, the Old Testament understanding that preceded John the baptizer. That was not some new idea John the Baptist just had pop in his head one day. I'm going to start dunking people in the water and reciting in the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. No. Old Testament ritualistic bathing goes all the way back to the priesthood. The baths were called mikvahs. And it was understood to be so serious and so necessary that the one being mikvahed I can't remember the other word right now. And I, as I always say, I can't look it up. But the one in the waters, now again, this is Old Testament life, okay? This is not, this is not like Gospels era. This isn't the Church of Acts. Okay, now let's get, let's like really peel back and look at this exactly how it was. A lot of times, the person, it would be gender-based. Well, why in the world would it be gender-based? Well, the people would turn their backs. A person would remove their clothing, go into the water, which was often in the, at that time a carved-out stone reservoir, that had water running into it. It's a very, it was a very 
ordered, detailed event and area built specifically for the mikvah pools. It was a ceremonial cleansing. And the, the, the one being baptized, immersed, would remove their clothing, by themselves go into the water, immerse themselves completely. They would lift out their legs. They would lift up their arms. They would even open their eyes so that the water touched every little bit of their natural body. Immersed. Washed. Entirely cleansed. So serious was this understanding of the immersion that if even the tip of a finger remained dry and above the surface of the water, it was deemed um, it wasn't good enough. It was deemed insubstantial. It was not purification. It was not a washing as was understood ceremonially way, way, way back in Old Testament times. I find that interesting. The immersion. And I'm not even going to go into all the correlation of the Holy Spirit coming, baptizing men, immersion into His Spirit, permeating every last cell of your body. That, my friend, to close this out, is the goal. That is the purpose. Immersion. But instead, we're sprinkling the Spirit. We're sprinkling a little bit of Jesus onto our natural flesh and our own wills and ways. We're trying to season ourselves with Jesus the Messiah. But you know what he's saying? Friend, and again, he did not tell her this. I'm saying this metaphorically speaking. He's saying, could we say, I don't like saying this is what Jesus is saying, and so I want to be careful with anything that comes out of my mouth because I'm a flawed vessel myself. I believe it would be right to say, Jesus could rightly say, according to this doctrinal principle in this account, if you really receive me as Messiah, if you really see me as I am, as the foretold Messiah, and you willingly receive this living water that's being offered to you, the sign of that, the sign of your exchange is you leave your vessel behind. You leave your water pot behind. You leave what you came here intending to do and to be, you leave it here and you go. I believe that's the sign of somebody who's truly encountered the Messiah. That's the sign. That's the evidence. We walk away from the vessel. We walk away from the natural vessel with living water. 
Living water, living water, living water. The exchange. We must do the exchange. Amen.